Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to PodcastJuice.net. My name is Michael Dean, and woo, it's been a minute. We are back here. Uh, let's just get things started. Uh, joining me today, Mr. Big Sexy and Saxer, how are you? Um, it has been a minute, but uh, I don't know, man. It's, it's still, people call this the new normal. I'm just not used to it yet. <laughs> okay. All right. Also joining us, Mr. Ant Pooh. Sir, how are you? I'm doing great. It's a beautiful Saturday. Hopefully, I'm gonna keep keep out of this heat, and I got some heat for the microphone because I dropped hot oh. fire. Oh Lord. <laughs> okay. All Chappelle right. show reference. <laughs> all right. All right. Is that the Daylon? A Daylon? Yep. Dylon. Yep. Daylon. Daylon. Hot fire. I Dating ourselves now. All right. So uh, first thing we're going to do today is we'll have some fun and talk about some prints as we are. We are still we're all waiting for the sign of the times deluxe uh, remaster, whatever you want to call it, album to be dropped. Uh, It's like, uh, just give it to me. I'm ready. Um, But until then, uh, we're going to do something. I want to do some like fan fiction, some, some prints. Fan fiction, where we just sort of, uh, you know, I think Big Sexy nailed it off off uh, off area. It's like this would be like a what if or an else world telling. And so what we're gonna do is, you know, you can just pull from any period of prints and maybe just reimagine situations happening a little different. Maybe this person didn't leave, or this album did come out, or whatever it is. And we just kind of see where we go with it. Again, this is all in the name of fun, and we are fans of prints. And so, so, I, so all of you, uh, that had never happened. That, you know, he couldn't do that. That's not, he wouldn't do that. <laughs> of, of course, because this is fiction. We're just coming up with stuff for fun. So relax. Okay. Woosah. All right. Yeah. Purple Woosah, your moment. Oh, but, and before we go get into that too, I want to shout to say that, um, uh, salute to Paisley Park, man. I, I know we all saw the statue. Of the love symbol uh thing put up. I, I thought that was actually pretty dope. Like I seemed, I was like, yeah, that, that's cool. I can dig that. And you know, there's open to the public to go up and take a picture and stuff. I was like, Man, Yeah, that's pretty cool. Right on. Yeah, what do you think about that? I like it. You know, again, I like the the way that uh Minnesota, especially Chan Hassan, I keep mispronouncing that, has really embraced this. You know, they're they're taking it and running with it because you know, Prince was their cat, you know, and they're showing him that love, even he, even though it's been you know, almost four years, you know, they're still showing him that love. You got to respect that. All right. And Pooh, any thoughts? I guess. Yeah, not. I thought it was. Yeah, I thought it was a, a really cool thing. Um, I'm, I'm not going to lie. When I when I first heard the whispers of what they were unveiling, because I, I think it might have been uh, Nisa. Shout out to my compatriot. We're just snitching yes. on people. <laughs> Wow, <laughs> she put up on on uh, her public IG story that there was this this big old box being lifted up in front of Paisley, and then I I saw elsewhere that people were saying it was going to be a sign releasing, and I was like, yeah, whatever. But then when I saw it unveiled, I was like, okay, damn, that is kind of cool. Respect. Yeah, I'm curious to see what it will look like like at at night. I think it's probably illuminated with lights or or what it's going to look like, you know, when there's snow down and stuff and that's sitting up there. 
Uh, whoever came up with that, it's a good idea. All right, with that, let's get into our our, our fan fiction ideas. Who who wants to start? Who's, who wants to kick it off? Okay, I, I think I should probably go first because mine is kind of heavy. Oh, but okay. I just I saw uh, someone. I think it might have been you, Mike. You put in that what if uh, Purple Rain hadn't happened. And I just got to thinking like, damn, that would have changed the course of history because he became this big global icon and all the, the stuff that happened afterwards. You know, as great as we think he was, it's like, yeah, no Purple Rain. That really does change it. And I'm like, okay, well, what? And I was just thinking like, huh. And unfortunately, what I landed on, sorry to bring us down, was what if... No, my brother, you've got to buy your own. Real quick. So due to the sensitive nature of what Ant was saying, I decided to cut that part out. If you want to know what his story was, you can ask that brother. But uh, yeah, that's a little too much smoke for me. But with that said, let's get back to the show. This reminds me of, um, remember the movie Boomerang? Oh, yeah. And there was the part where they had to come up with the... uh, the ad video, it was like a, they had to come up with a new ad and Marcus, he Strong was, Jay. yeah, he was too busy. He's like, and what was that one character? Like, let me, let me do it. Let me do it, Marcus. And it was Jeffrey Holder. Yes. Yeah. And he's like, Remember nah, it? man, you too wild. And he's like, oh, I ain't got no time. Go ahead. And he came, <laughs> when he came in with that, <laughs> it was like, whoa, what the hell? <laughs> Ampoo kind of came in. <laughs> and the, the tagline, it stank so good. Oh yeah. yeah I remember that. Now, since you put people on black, oh, here we go. I did say, <laughs> you're like, no safe well, That's why I, I, I said that. That's what I said. You, you, you didn't okay, tell me. Okay. You did tell me it was going to be touchy. But no, it was, that, was, that was good. It was a good one. Uh, Big Sexy, do you want to go or do you want me to go? Uh, I'll go. I'll take a swing. All right. Okay. <clears throat> Let us get, our, get in our, uh, our Peabody and Sherman Wayback Machine. <laughs> Let us go back to 1984. Let us go back to the American Music Awards. And I believe this was the year before. Outrageous! (laughs) And after the show, Quincy says, hey, we're all meeting across the street. We're doing a little something. Instead of Prince saying, no, I'll send you guys uh, a song, Prince says, you know what? Let's go. I'm going to come on over there and show you guys what's up. And... At that time, Prince was still really on the outside of the, quote, you know, popular music sphere. I mean, we all know who he was, don't get me wrong, but he wasn't really traveling in that crowd with, you know, Madonna, not Madonna, excuse me, with uh, Cyndi Lauper, those guys. He wasn't with that. He was doing his own thing. But he comes on over <clears throat> and they ask him to do a, a guitar solo. He's like, fine. And the look on people's faces when he played that solo, is the look on people's faces when he played the solo at the Hall of Fame. Are you people talking about like, the, uh, what's the name of the song? We're, we're the World. We're the yeah. World, that's what you're talking about. Okay. And people are looking at him like, what the fuck? This guy's this good? Yeah, I'm that good. Because <laughs> he's letting them know. And then they gave him the line. Now, if I'm not mistaken, his line was the one that Huey Lewis ended up singing. Hmm. Right after Michael. And since there was some competition there, Mike was like, all right, let me, t- let me try to you know, one-up this guy. And Prince, instead of, instead of retreating, Prince was like, we're playing this now? Let's go. And he just blew it away. To the point of the standout vocals in that song, to me, were when 
you had Ray Charles, not Ray Charles, excuse me, you had Stevie Wonder and Bruce Springsteen doing their trade-off. And that's what it rose to, something to that magnitude, which also gave an opportunity for, for Prince and Quincy to have her sit down, break bread, chop it up. To the point of, you go down the line a little bit, revolution breaks up, those things happen. Prince calls up Quincy. Prince, uh, Quincy, yeah, I'm doing something. I'm going back to my old solo stuff. Why don't you come do it with me? Quincy says, yes, Michael has a fit. Oh, well, those things happen. Prince and Quincy do Sign of the Times. Wait, so Mike, what you say, uh, Mark, what you said is this is business. This is business. This is creativity. This is business. And well, it is a see, game changer. This is a great story. I, I wonder if it would be business. because well, this, this is after Thriller is out, right? Yeah. So you're saying he after walked thriller, away from bad. the biggest thing ever to do something? What? <laughs> he did. After Bad, there was no Quincy. No, well, I mean, yeah, but I'm talking about before Bad. I'm about after Thriller. No, 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 this is after Bad. This is oh, after bad. okay. So I was like, that's business? Are you, okay, after after Bad, you know, Thriller does whatever. Bad does its thing. Gotcha. You know, so Prince is like, well, shit. You know, I'm taking a step back from the revolution. Let mm-hmm. me open up my shit to, to some other ears. Mm-hmm. And he calls up Quincy. I mean, who else? I don't think anyone really has that kind of uh, <clears throat> deference. That Prince would give them, other than Quincy. Hmm. And Quincy's like, sure. And Quincy doesn't see it as a conflict or anything like that. Quincy sees it as like an opportunity to work with someone who's been really secretive and really, you know, kind of isolated, and they work together. Like, it's almost like working with Miles. And that's how how Quincy looks at it. And they go in there and do uh, Sign of the Times, which doesn't become Sign of the Times. They go in there and do Crystal Ball. Because Warner's not being stupid, says, "Do you guys want to do a triple album? Go right ahead. Go right ahead." I, 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 I can, I can, I can kind of see that with Quincy's clout, I can see them greenlighting it. Uh huh. Hmm. And it comes out and just blows up. It doesn't reach the sales of uh, Thriller, but it does have that cultural impact and stays out there for years, years. Of course, Michael does like it. And Michael still does his thing with um, the Dangerous Crew. Still goes to Teddy Riley. Still goes on that path. But after that, then Prince and Quincy just developed his friendship and, and on musical horizons. And then you have Quincy's input on things like Madhouse. You know, and it's just it's just a whole new vibe, and it's just amazing to to think about what if, what if things had gone that way. Wow. Musically. Okay. That'd okay. have been heavy. Yeah, it would have been. Interesting. Interesting. I, I'm curious how that would have affected the sound of Prince's music. You know, you get Prince, Quincy, and Clara Fisher in the same room. Shit. Well, I'm saying that he starts on. bringing in a lot of the Quincy collaborators. You know, Rod Temperton and and uh, you know all those cats that are. Now, some of the songwriters ain't gonna make it because Prince is only gonna go so far. <laughs> that's what. That's what I'd be curious. How did that? You know, how does he relinquish sort of the the reign a little bit to would he let him bring in other, these other dope ass session players like the but session players I can see him bringing in yeah but I, I can see that as well no. well to to me just just I honestly feel like Prince as we saw with 
Uh, oh my God, what is his name? Ah, uh, do Miles. Miles. <laughs> yeah, go ahead, give me the L. Miles Davis. I can see <laughs> <laughs> Prince, you know, having such reverence for him that he will, you know, give up just a little bit of control because this is the person, this is someone that he might feel he can get with me and I can, and even more so, I can learn from him. You know, I, I feel like there are very few people that he'd have that respect where he said, this person's going to teach me, this person may give me some guidance, this person may put me on some game. So I, I can kind of see him say, if Quincy came, Quincy came to him and said, I'm going to bring this person, this person in, that's going to bring a different sound to your music. Yeah, he ain't, he ain't gonna like it, but I think he give him the opportunity to show him. I'd be curious. I, I wonder if he would if he listened to Bad and he thought that like, if he thought Bad was tr- trash, like I let him touch did. my music. Why would I let him touch my music? But I, but again, that was yeah. a great. Opportunity. But he didn't. But Quincy didn't write that. That's that's the songwriter issue. He produced that out. <clears throat> yeah, he produced. He produced what he. He's not gonna let him, Prince ain't gonna let him write for him either. That's what no, I'm, exactly, exactly. But I'm saying, so if he thought the album was trash, like, man, it didn't sound right. Why would he? I'm curious what would convince him to think, like, you know what? Let him mess with my stuff. Well, um, just based on what we've been kind of hearing, because like, I've been listening to um, the Prince Channel and uh, Wendy and Lisa, they were talking about how they started writing Mountains. So I'm just, I'm just thinking, you said he won't let them write for him, but I'm like, the work, the people that he's worked with, if you believe them at their words, they did write uh, uh, some. I'm going to say a lot. They wrote, I'll just say they wrote Well, no, yeah, they Prince. did. I, they did. I'm just, but I, I don't think he thought their stuff was trash. I'm not saying he thought, I'm not saying bad was trash. Let me be clear. But if he's thinking, now that's not as good as my stuff. And it's something that's been put out. His band members, he's, oh, you guys are working on that? Oh, that's, that's dope. Let me, let me get that. Let me show you how to work that. And he puts his thing on it. But I'm just curious if he would allow Quincy, you know, obviously, and he was like, what, 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 so are you saying Quincy's going to give him tracks and then Prince would put his thing on it? Which I could see him doing that. Yeah. But that, it, that, you know. that's all. That's, that's exactly how it would go right. if we believe how Prince is. Right. right? <laughs> and the thing is, that's nice, but how about this? Right, right. <laughs> and see, see Quincy is a master um, communicator. He's going to get people to do things his way. And it, be it Prince, be it Michael, whoever. Quincy will be the final say. He may not beat mm, you in the submission. I don't know about But Quincy that will get you to do things his way. He's just the, one of those type of people. Because he carries, can... he, he carries that respect and admiration. So you're going to at least listen and try it. Well, you know. And, and Quincy is not intimidated by anybody. A lot of these cats Prince, Prince has played with have been intimidated. Um, people he's played with recently. Or that we all know, I guarantee you, uh, Eric Leeds was not intimidated M- musically. Renato was not intimidated. Sheila wasn't intimidated. A lot of the other musicians who were with him were, and it probably affected them on a level that they didn't want to really speak up. Those other cats would speak up, and when you have those cats being overseen by Quincy, Prince is not going to like it. But he's going to have a princess about business. And he's going to let me listen to it. Let me see what you guys got. Oh, that, that's bad. Okay, right, that'll work. Right. Yeah. 
Well, if I can, uh, and I'm not trying to do an argument with you, Mark, <laughs> but when you mentioned Sheila and Eric Leeds, and feel free to, if I'm ignorant, feel free to correct me. But I think that the reason why you, you were saying he was going, he listened to them or he wasn't going to boss up on them is they could do something that he couldn't do. Exactly. Prince couldn't play the sax. Prince couldn't do percussion like Sheila. So, yeah, he probably listened to that. So I, I, I can understand that. You know, some of the other people, I mean, I'm not disrespecting Renato at all. I don't know his level of musicality, if it's, if it's more, uh, if it's better than Prince. I'm like, but for, for me, I'm like, I don't know about that one. But definitely when it comes to Eric and Sheila, yeah, they can do something he couldn't do. So What could can Sheila do that Prince couldn't do? The percussion, the percussion playing. Huh? The, the hat. I mean, the she's obviously, I'm not saying she can go. But what song did, I mean, where did that? Didn't she add to that with uh, the glamorous life on some of their other tracks? She's bringing that to the to uh, to his songs, just like Eric Lee was bringing his saxophone playing, which was something Prince. We all admit Prince could play a ton of instruments, horns. That wasn't it. He went to the synths, right? He couldn't play the horn, so that's what I'm saying. That's what they brought to him that he respected and and was but like, the, were yeah. they doing what he said to do, or were they coming up with creative? That's what I'm. That's what I'm asking. Like, well, I don't know. I, said, I, I can. Now I've heard Eric Lee's obviously say, "Yeah, Prince would say go create or line for this, da da da." Or he would hum some shit and you play it. But I, I just haven't heard anything. She when he was like, "Okay, come up with whoop de whoop." I mean, dope ass drum player. I don't know. I wasn't in them sessions, but I, that's what I was asking. I think with Renato, he would give him that deference. I'm not going to say who's the better keyboardist because that's you know I can't. I who knows. But Renato, from what I would see just during the tour, when Prince would give him that big spotlight, they go, just, hey, man, let it rip. Renato's bad. And he gave him a lot of, uh, a lot of leeway. And when you get, and you know how it is with Prince, he'll give you a shot. If you can't keep up, you got to go. Right, right. Those but, names stuck around a long time. I just want to go back to your, your premise, though, of uh, Quincy Jones. And Prince doing doing uh, crystal ball. You, you said it wouldn't be uh, sign of the times. I would. Be I'd be curious ball, yeah. what the reaction from Prince fans would be at that time. Would they? Because I would imagine it'd be a different sound. And, then, and some would say maybe even sign of the times was it was a different sound than previously. So that was sort of normal. But I'd be very curious how people would have took that. Like, oh, you're gonna follow Michael. You're trying to be Michael. You know what I mean? Like, obviously, that, that talk would, oh, you had to go get Michael Jackson's producer to come with some shit. Because let's be clear, like, this was 19, what, 87? 87, 88. This is yeah. Michael Jackson world. Like, those albums, biggest albums, <laughs> and still are, but that was when they was in a prime popping. So it would be very interesting if they would have, he would have been a look like you're following Michael Jackson. And then people like me, you know, defending, you would have said, really? Michael wasn't shit without Quincy. How about that? But we know that's not true. Though. I don't know about yeah. it. Come on. <laughs> Come on. Go, listen to the Destiny, go listen to the Destiny album. Them songs sound exactly like Off the Wall. It's the same style. It, it was all Michael. And yet no one was buying them. Huh? What, Those Destiny? albums were hit albums. What are you talking about? Wait, wait, wait. wait. See, let's, this, let's, this is, this is where I'd be the smart person <laughs> and bow out of the conversation a little. <laughs> Destiny was banging. Are you serious? We need look, Destiny. That was the joint. Wait, 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 wait. Let me let me make sure I'm I'm gonna get get this wrong here. When they left Motown, right? Went to Epic. 
mm-hmm. their first album under Epic. And I don't mean, I don't mean the going places when we get Gamble and Huff. The first one they did by themselves was what? I don't know. Was it Destiny? Was it was it Destiny? They had two. Didn't they have two albums? It was Destiny. What was the other one? Triumph. They had Going Places in '77, the Jacksons in '76. Even the Jacksons had cuts on it. What was Which the had, one that had, they, had the, they had the live album based off of? What was that? One? Yeah, that was that was after. Wasn't that '78 or '79? That was at, was they had. Can you feel it? Can you feel that it? That was Triumph. Triumph album. So yeah, Destiny and Triumph. Those were Triumph was after Off the Wall. Triumph came after Off the Wall, though. So you take Off the Wall out of that lineage, but Destiny didn't. And Destiny, the same type of songs you hear on Off the Wall. Michael Jackson wrote some songs on Off the Wall. So stop it. Uh, If you go back and listen, if you go back and listen to them demos from Off the Wall, who's doing? Who came up with this shit? It was Michael. And who produced it? Well, that's what I'm saying. He got a dope producer, but don't act like he didn't come up with them rhythms. And well, again, I'm not saying he didn't come up with. Them. I'm, I'm saying, saying Mike take Quincy a song, out of there. An ill songwriter. He's still, but you yeah, take taking Quincy, Quincy out, out he would have just had Destiny style production, which was dope as fuck. Not according to the sales charts, it wasn't. But we don't go by sales; we go by quality. If that was I'm the case, we wouldn't go bad. by. We would, we would, we would have to knock Prince out because he didn't have the sales, right? No, you're saying Prince needs to go get Quincy. No, I'm, I'm saying, saying the argument people would Quincy throw at you the- is to say that if he came out at that time with Quincy after two successful blockbusters that changed the game with Michael, most people would be like, oh, you're trying to follow Michael Jackson. That would be a logical thing to say. It'd be a logical argument and it would be wrong. Now, Mike, now, Mike, uh, got to be fair here. Go ahead. I'm looking, I'm looking on Wikipedia. The songs were written by, there were only three songs. Uh, there was only two songs solely written by Michael. Don't stop till you get enough. Working day and night, and then there was a third song, "Get on the Floor," that was co-written with Lewis Johnson. Okay. So three out of the ten were written by Mike, and those were bangers, weren't they? Uh, I would say one of those was. Stop. Working day. I'm not <laughs> a fan well, of working day and listen, night. Listen, Michael Jackson is the truth. We, let's yeah. let's stop playing around. Like we, You're right. You're absolutely we're right. not Just, talking about some low level. R&B dude who had a couple of hits. We're talking about Michael Jackson, so let's stop with the foolishness. <laughs> stop. When are you, so anybody going to argue with you about Michael Jackson? You just got to stop. Stop it. The same. We ain't talking about O'Brien or Elder Barge. <laughs> this is Michael Jackson. So. <laughs> stop. <laughs> no, L. I'm just oh, saying. L is dope as fuck, but I'm just saying, come on, that's... Nobody's on Michael Jackson's level. Let's just clear that up. Be clear about that. And it's not to say he's greater than Prince. Not, I'm just saying he's in his class. He ain't nobody on that. He's a, the star of all stars. Just let's stop. But this is a great. I love your story. I love your the Quincy. I would that would be fascinating to see. I, I just want to hear what that sounds like. Like how would that change those songs that we all know? Right? At the very least, sign of the times would not have the lack of bass that it has interesting. presently. Interesting. Because you can't, you can, you can take any album Quincy produced. It could be his album. It could be a Michael album. It could be, you know, some of the stuff he did with um, Miles, whoever. Sonically, please, oh. you don't get better than Quincy. Well, I would say this. I'd even throw this in there. And I, I think his name is Bruce something, the, the engineer guy that worked with. Bruce Sweetine, yeah. If 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 they just had him mix Prince's stuff, 
it'd be a whole new thing. Because <laughs> that motherfucker, the Michael, let's be clear, Michael shit always sound bomb, yes. clear, just ridiculous stuff. That, yes. If Princess, uh, they just had switched the engine, no disrespect to anybody. To Roger, but, but that motherfucker. You ain't Bruce. Uh, he would have, man, Princess albums would just sound ridiculous. Uh, and the same thing would, would apply here because Susan, uh, Coke Rogers, all or Coke Johnson, all these cats, they were all intimidated. They all were. Bruce comes in. I've worked with Quincy on two of the biggest albums ever. You don't, you don't scare me, little dude. So fuck you. <laughs> and he lets him do his thing. Yeah. And just say, Sonically, listen to it's this. Gonna rip. Yeah, listen to this, son. <laughs> oh, oh, shit. <laughs> you got the part where I was. Yeah. Let me do me. Let me do. And see, but Prince is one of those cats that when you show him, he learns. Mm. So after maybe two albums, you got to go. <laughs> interesting, interesting. I'll do it myself now. Okay, I like this. But he would definitely learn from that guy. Yeah, it would be very interesting. Very interesting. All right. All right. All right. Let's, uh, let me get you into, go, you, the floor wait, is yours now, bro. Let me get into mine. So mine's is, is, is kind of around the same period as yours a little bit. But uh, I'm going to back it up. So mine starts with, uh, I'm going to go back to Michael Jackson for a second. Another Michael thing. Uh, remember the song Michael Jackson had, uh, State of Shock? It was on the Jackson's Victory album. It was Michael Jackson and Mick Jagger. Um, I thought that song was trash. See, I love that song. Ah, I love that song. I, I, I always thought they should have had a video. Like, I was like, how are you not going to... This should be better. I thought the song was, was jamming to me personally. Well, if you don't like it, I, I get it. No, no. But I always thought that. Well, I didn't always think. I was just thinking. And I, again, I just came up with this this morning. So if it doesn't make some sense at parts, I'm sorry. But I was thinking, what if that was actually a duet with Michael and Prince? And it, it was on the Jackson's album, was the first single off the Victory album, if I'm not mistaken. And, and now originally, that, that song was a duet with Michael and Freddie Mercury. Um, I don't know exactly yeah, why they took him off of that and put Mick Jagger, but to me, when I listened to that, I remember when it came out, it to me sounded like something Prince could have did because it kind of hit. She was a Lindrum, had the guitar, and I was like, that, I, I was like, you know, I could have seen them doing that. It, it's enough. It sounds like Michael, but it's not far enough that you couldn't hear Prince sing on it, and then they could probably say, you know what, go ahead and play the guitar on this. And even just add a little more to chicken strap or something. So I was like, what if they did that song? And of course, it was it was a hit at the time. But it, I was like, that could have been a big hit that came out. And I'm saying it came out shortly or it came out before Purple Rain. Now, I think it actually came out in 84. So, um, so let's say they came out and they did. And it was one of these things. It was a Quincy thing. It was like, hey, man, you guys should do something together. Prince, we got this track. Um, you, should, you can get on this, man. This is, just do it as a favor to me. And I'm saying, like, Prince sort of did it. They didn't necessarily know it was going to come out, per se, but he, he did his part anyway. Like, there was one of those send the tracks over type of deal. And Prince added his stuff to it. And it came out, and of course... Even if this, even if you think the song was trash, if that had in fact happened, that would have been a big hit. Disregards anything with Michael was a hit, but then to put Prince on that at that time, they, they would have blew the doors down. 
So it comes out to hit. And uh, what was I saying? And then they have, they actually do a video for it. And in the video, again, this is 84 Michael Jackson. Yeah, he's a motherfucker. But this is also Prince, you know, 1999 doing Purple Rain Prince. So he's in his thing too. You know, he's finally locked into his shit. And they do the video and the video is a mainstay on MTV. Uh, and and a lot of people actually think Prince made that song because it sounds like, they, you know, it sounds more like Prince. And Michael's secretly like kind of heated over that. Like, no, I produced that. If you actually go back and look at the the song, Prince uh, Michael wrote that with another guy. But then they said Michael did the Lindrum pro- programming on that song, blah, blah, blah. So I was thinking Mike would be like a little, oh man, he's taking Mike, you know, they're giving him the, pro- the, the, the props. And people were impressed by Prince's performance in the video. Um, and some people always say Prince kind of stole it from, because it's still, Prince is still somewhat new to the mainstream. So just yeah, to see yeah. him doing his thing, you already kind of know what you're going to get with Michael. They were like kind of shocked, like this dude can go, go pound for pound for Michael a little, you know, shit. So it, it, was, a, it was a hit. And so this is happening. Prince is working on Purple Rain. And then he hears that Janet Jackson uh, wants to do another album. He's, he's seen that she's been doing some work, but now she wants to do an album. And they kind of start talking like, oh, she wants to, uh, maybe this is some way I can, we, we can hook up or something. And... <clears throat> Uh, so I wrote some of this down. So yeah, he gets wind that she wants to work with outside producers. Uh, so he meets up with her, obviously through the connection with MJ, but him and MJ are actually kind of secretly rivals. Um, so, and he finds out that she wants to work with, you know, wants to do some stuff. He says, you know what, let me, let me, let me produce your shit. You know, come with me. You know, I got hits. Whoop-de-woo. I can, you want to change your image and, and break, come out. And he's secretly thinking this would piss your brother off too. <laughs> so come with me. And so he ends up getting Janet. Uh, she she does kind of want to work with Prince, right? He's obviously hot. Like he may not be mainstream, but in sort of the black world, Prince is the shit. Like obviously you know, selling out tours in 1999 was crazy. And she wants that sound. So she goes to work, but but she has to leave Joe because her dad totally against it, right? Which is in reality. So so Joe Jackson's against it. She says, you know. I'm going to go in Prince's camp then. And so she does come over. And at this time, Prince is still like in the midst of Purple Rain and doing all that. And he's got all this other stuff going on that we know. But he's like, you know, what? they go in the studio and they do a couple sessions. And the first, the song that comes out of that session is G-Spot. Janet Jackson, right? Jill Jones. But then Prince sort of, his attention to so many other places. So he kind of, doesn't he's not really putting pressure to, to finish it also doing this um the, the other move that he did was when jimmy jam and terry lewis and that whole thing where they got snowed in and stuff he decides not to fire them and he says you know what y'all gotta sign with me i'm gonna sign y'all to production y'all gonna work for me as producers y'all got some hits y'all, yeah, i know what y'all are doing he and he comes so that's the turning point in this to say <laughs> No, nah, I'm not going to give away that. Y'all going to be under me. Matter of fact, you're going to sign this deal where you're almost ghost producers in a sense. And, and 
they take that because their whole their whole success is based off the fact that everyone thinks they produced the time records, which of course we know they didn't, right? So they're like, you know, okay, it's a fair trade. So uh, still working on the Janet thing, and and he's like, you know what, go work with them dudes. Uh, yeah, I ain't got I ain't got time for you. Go work with Jam and Lewis and see what they come with. So as they start working on these songs that will become the Control album, finally they give the Prince the track to Prince, and he starts to listen to him. He's like, this shit is good. <laughs> like, what the fuck? It's like, oh man. And he's kind of like, oh, y'all, y'all kind of did a spin on controversy with, you know, what have you done for me? Like, you know, he's, oh, oh, y'all took that and, oh, okay. And of course, Prince then becomes competitive. I can't let these cats. No, let me do these, you know. So he goes back and gets Janet, go back in the studio. And then out of that came uh, the glamorous life in Sugar Walls. So imagine if, uh, he did Glamour's Life, but it was Janet Jackson singing, and he did Sugar Walls. And he's like, "Yo, your album's gonna be called Sugar Walls." And now he, now he fully takes control over it, right? <laughs> and he's like, "I'm gonna spin. I'm gonna make you to be. I picture, you know, I'm gonna. This is gonna be Janet. I'm gonna control. You know, this is the very sexual Prince at that time. And so you're gonna have the first single. It's gonna be Sugar Walls, and he actually, uh, it does a video for it, which I'll get to in a second. So. While the, so the album is banging. Now imagine it's most of all the songs that are already on control. And then you have G-Spot, Sugar Walls, and Glamorous, right? And I'm mistaken. It's actually not the video. It's not for Sugar Walls. The video is for G-Spot. The album is going to be called G-Spot. This will be a total change for, for Janet Jackson under the Prince, you know, vision. <laughs> so Michael Jackson... Gets a copy. She she gives Michael like, listen, this is what I came up with, and he's listening to. Him. He's like, oh, Janet. You know, of course he can't deny it. She's banging, but he's and he 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 sees the video, and she shows him the video, and it's a very explicit video. Now, looking at Janet years later, you know she's out there doing lap dances on dudes and concerts. So she obviously becomes very great, you know, sexual with that. But on this one, it is a video and she's doing suggest, suggestive dancing. And you see, there's a guy on a chair. It's like a dark room. This guy in a chair, he's covered up, but it makes you believe that the guy is Michael Jackson. He has a hood over his head. So you can't see what it is. What he had one glove. Hey, huh? Yeah, I know. Right. He's got one glove. You see the sparkle sort of shoes or whatever. And she's doing the song G-Spot. Like, this is going left. <laughs> it's got to be crazy. I got you know, to make it crazy. So, and it's a song G-Spot. And it's like, oh, Janet, we ain't never. All we knew of Janet is she's on fame, right? In different strokes. Not different strokes, but uh, was she on different strokes? Yeah, she was. Yeah, that ain't good times. And good times. Okay. So, it was a wholesome Janet. This is the Jacksons. You know what I mean? Just like with Joe was like, I don't want you around that prince. You know, that shit. That ain't Christ. Have my daughter up here switch. So, but she, you know, so I was like, well, G spot, huh? You know, this, you, you suggest, suggest, you know, dancing like this to, to a, this is Michael. So as the video goes, she pulls the hood off and you actually see it's Prince. And of course, this is that very uh, satirical. Uh, yeah, hard, just, you know, Prince just really like, ha, 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 Michael, I got you, nigga, I got you, you know. Okay, okay, wait, wait, wait. so my interpretation would be, 
So Prince was cosplaying as Michael Jackson getting a lap dance from Michael Jackson's sister. It's a slap in the face to Mike. It's a slap in the face. <laughs> that's some sick But that's some Prince shit. That's some, early, that's some, that's some Prince shit. You know, he's just Jack, you know, Joe, Joe. But you you see that it's it's Prince, actually. And in the it's videos. payback. That's yeah, what the, it is. The video's over. And, and so Michael's, and this has not came out yet, right? Michael sees, no, Janet. Mm-mm. <laughs> you must be out of your cotton pick. <laughs> Joe! <laughs> but Mike is hot. But the album is hot. It's fire as fuck. Like, they know, yo, this is going this is going to be a hit. And, but he's like, no, mm-mm. This is, you can't do this. And so there's like a battle behind this. So what ends up happening is Michael, and again, this is 84, 85. Michael is the top dog of the game, right? But, so Michael goes, and he said it's not going to happen. He goes to uh, his boss, in a <laughs> Walter Yekinikoff, is that his name? Yekinikoff? He's a, you know, the CEO, the president of CBS Records. Yekinikoff. Uh, when Michael signed under CBS. And he says, you, you have to stop this. This, you can't, this can't come out. And they know that Prince, you know, Purple Rain is out at this time. He's, he's the man. You know, Prince is selling. I don't, okay, Mike, I don't know. Let's see what we can do. So when is, what happens is they get that Illuminati together <laughs> Is Walter. Now, Janet was signed to A&M. So who ran A&M was Herb Albert, right? Uh, Herb, Herb, y'all, and these are real people. Herb Albert, he, he obviously was a musician. I think jazz, Tijuana jazz thing was what he was sort of known for. But he, he became a boss. He had his own record company. So, you know, he had Janet, he, Jewish cat. Walter's a Jewish cat. Uh, and then they go to who's, who's in charge of Warner Brothers this time? Uh, Mo Austin, same his name, uh, top dog, a Warner, you know what I'm saying? Jewish cat. I'm on my, uh, I'm on my Nick Cannon right now. But uh, so they get him. And so they got the, the guys who run the game, you, you, it's, it's, you know, for Walter and Mo. And then, of course, Herb, he's got A&M records. So they, they clicked up anyway. And then how do we get to Prince? Okay, we can get, we got Mo. He's in charge of Warner Brothers. So he has some clout. Well, who's, who was Prince's managers at the time? Well, Bob Cavallo, right? Another Jewish cat, big Jewish cat in the game. So those cats all get together and like, listen, Mike don't want this out. Uh, you know, Herb, I know you, you, this is going to be a banger for you. You're going to make your bread on this. Uh, Mo, of course, Prince is your guy. That's how y'all, you know, he's your cash cow. How do we make this work? Because Mike don't want, if Mike don't want something to happen, it's going to affect all of us. <laughs> we can't not deny the cash, cash cow of the whole entire industry. So they do a deal. Basically, they say, listen, we'll, we'll put something together. Go ahead and we're going to pay off Prince. You know, we'll buy the album out from him because he produces. He's got to get his credit for that. Uh, Mo is on board with this. He, he would block Prince's albums if he didn't want to go along with this. Bob, it's in your best interest. That's your, you make your money off of Prince. You convince him that this is the right move. You guys, he'll, he'll get a points off the album. 
It's not going to be, the album's going to come out. It's, it's a banger album. It's going to make money for Herb. So Herb, you're going to get this album, but we're not going to call it G-Spot. Matter of fact, we're going to take off those Prince songs. That video would be destroyed. Um, cut whatever deal you have to cut for Jamming Lewis. Right? And we're going to make it just a, a, a secret and, and put that shit away and we'll rewrite the story. Michael's going to be happy. Janet's going to, we're going to make sure Janet's a star. Prince, he's going to get paid. We'll keep it hidden so he's not going to be disrespected or anything like that. Jam and Lewis, those two are hot. Lock those in. We'll pay Prince off and get them. And we're going to put this album out and everybody's going to eat. But we're not going to let, but at the end of the day, those cats got together and said, this is our gang. <laughs> These two black guys ain't going to come in here and disrupt this cash cow of the industry because they're doing petty shit. So this is what's going to happen. And, and, all, and, and, and in this reality, the Janet Control album comes out. The Prince relation stuff is all swept under the rug, never to be talked about. There's no best, it's no interest in Prince to talk about it, but he can't help himself sometimes. So you hear him, who wrote that? You know, you'll see him in concerts. Who, who wrote this? You know, kind of hinting to her, but he can't come out and just fully blast because he'd be career suicide because it's bigger than him. And Mike, of course, not going to talk about it. And it'd be, and it's not in Janet's best interest to talk about it. And of course, Jam and Lewis, they end up leaving Prince and they get, and, and then you say, they blow up all of a sudden. Because they tied in with the top cats of the game who control the game and going to make sure that they're going to have the best position possible. And they go on to be, they, they go on to win Grammy, you know, best producers and all this kind of stuff. So the, and my, that's my story, basically. Right? There was the, the secret Prince the, Janet the album. secret history of control. And, and the real control were the top dogs of the game. It was even bigger than Mike and Prince and told them to sit down. We're going to work this out because it's a business. Anyway, that's my story. <laughs> Hey, you might want to cut this part out. Just cut this part out, what I'm about to say. I'm being honest. You realize you just made somebody else's book, right? Oh, I already know. They're going to get it. You already heard it from me. So, you know, it's come. When, it, when, it, when they do make it, they're going to have to cut me a check. <laughs> well, that just blew my fanfic out of the water. I was going to go in. There's that, there was the rumor. There's the, uh, in the press about Jam and Lewis went to Prince to, uh, to make Love Will Never Do. Uh, without you, uh, a duet with Prince. My fan fiction was that actually happened, and Prince ended up doing Janet's next album, the Janet album, and made it even more sexual. And that's what uh, which made, flipped the switch from Janet being that uh, Michael Jackson's baby sister to the sex icon that she became. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Dig, did, and got her. Where is awesome. you? Where is Joe in the midst of all this? Remember, I said she left Joe, so he was out of the picture. Okay, good, yeah. good. He, just as, well, yeah. So she she left Joe, and like I said, once she's, once the product is made, and like I said, her, Walter, Bob, Mo, and them understand what it's going to be and how much money they can make, they go in and say, no, we'll we'll make this right. <laughs> we're gonna figure it out yeah, yeah. we'll figure it because it's too much money we making more money off off of this than these cats could ever make so we're gonna make sure this is right we don't care about we want to make sure that our cash cows 
feel respected, our workers. We want to make sure our workers feel happy about what they're doing, but we need them to be out there working so we can get paid. Which is also interesting as I was I was thinking about this this morning. I went and looked up all these guys. All these guys are still alive, but you know that you'll never really hear shit about like they don't never really be talking, talking. Well, I think they would be great storytellers. Like who and I know Walter had a book. But even Bob Cavallo, I, I was blessed to see him tell some stories at this celebration. But man, he's got a, a, a whole lot more than he could be with some print shit, you know, all those early years. You don't really get to hear just, much about him. Mo Austin. I he, just read an article about Mo. He, he, he did, told some stories. I'm thinking we, and feel free to laugh, I'm thinking we, we reach out to him. Well, of course. Yeah. Even like Herb, Herb Albert. Like, I, I, was, I thought he may have been dead. He's still alive. <laughs> no, Herb's still around. Herb, man, he's, he had Jesse, Jamin Lewis, Alexander and Neil Sherrill, right? Weren't they on A&M? Yep. Janet, yep. of course. Like, no. No. Alex was on Taboo. Oh, okay. Was Taboo distributed through A&M? Taboo was um, or no. Black Superman. Black Superman. Oh. Clarence Avon label. Oh, okay. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, but I was just saying, these guys, I, was, I can imagine in it, and I'm, I'm, I'm doing my fiction, but I can imagine in a world where those dudes were all clicked up. <laughs> and they would be the only one, you know what I mean? Like, when you think about, like, how would you, what, what, would, you, what would it take to get Michael Jackson and these type of people? Well, like, who, who do they answer to? And I just thought, and I looked them up and I went and looked up each one of their nationalities. And ironically enough, they were all Jewish. I was like, man, these are all Jewish guys that were on top of some of the biggest labels in the game. Yeah, I bet you they was like, oh yeah. You good, Bob? Oh, couldn't be better. You want to play? How many uh, holes you want to play today? (laughs) Yeah, man, it's funny. You know, it's funny like that. This is a great business, isn't it? (laughs) But anyway, that was kind of fun. Fan See, fiction. as you were talking, something else popped into my mind. Strictly from a creative point, musically, when you said Mo Austin, Prince and Eddie Van Halen were on Warner Brothers together for the longest time, and their paths never crossed. Someone should have done something somewhere to get those two in a room just to play. Out of Bloomy, that'd been mind blowing. Hmm. Because everybody in '84, especially after Eddie came out and did did beat it, everybody guitar wise was intimidated by Eddie, except you know who. Now let me like, ask really you this question: Do you go? think you think Ed, he would have stood a chance against Eddie Van Halen's skill level at that point? Stood a chance, a remote chance, <laughs> but it's it's not about trying to beat the king at that point. It's like, you just want to get there and see what you can do. Yeah, got to be interesting. Definitely. You know, because Eddie was fucking Eddie. And see, the thing is, people, as we all saw with the, well, I didn't saw, I knew. But we saw at the Hall of Fame, people just didn't know. <clears throat> and then Prince walked out and said, and said let, me, let me handle this. And everybody was sensitive, like, God damn. <laughs> the guitar players knew, but the general public had no idea. I'm like, I told y'all. I told y'all. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm All sure Eddie right. would have done it because, you know, you have you know who involved, you know, the overlord Quincy. He'd have done it. 
Yeah. All right. All right. Well, I'm curious for our listeners with some of your what ifs, fan fiction, Elseworld, Prince Tales. And we'll have more. You know, there's, there's so much more you could do. Obviously, I just kind of went with the low hanging fruit, but uh, yeah, you can. It could be a whole lot. What if, what if, uh, I don't know. Uh, I always say this what, what if Sign of Times, he did the tour in America? He's like, you know what? Yeah, we're taking on the road in America. Would that have made a difference? Would it have been a difference if, if Warner Brothers would have said, yeah, you know what? Go ahead and do Crystal Ball. Would it have been a good difference or a bad? I'd be curious. What, what would well, if you're going to go that far back, what if when they leave, they hadn't left? Yeah. What, what if they hadn't? Yeah. Very true. I always just felt like, what if he... If they even if they kick them out of the band, kick out of the band, but they just transitioned out of the band and say, you, y'all be solo artists, sign a page apart. I'm gonna keep y'all in the camp. <laughs> keep you. I can see brother. the fights him and Wendy would have had, man. Mm-mm. As uh, funky as the time was, another what if I had is uh, if uh, Prince had uh, kicked uh, Bobby Z out for Morris. That'd have been very interesting. The Imagine those stage shows, but then it, the other part is, is that with Morrison became MD. Nope. Morrison was happy just playing the drums. You know, Prince saw more to it than that. Yeah, I and would, again, I yeah, we talked about this, right. and no disrespect to Alexander Neal, but it's just I can't see him fronting the time. I can't see him doing it because we know Morris so well. But I could, yeah. I could see him saying, yeah, I could see him doing the song. It'd just be different. But I can see him doing it. I can't see him see him doing the up tempo stuff. No. Oh, he did now, I can see him taking Jigglos get lonely too and tearing it up. Yeah, like fake and all that kind of stuff. He, he could do it. But what seven 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 ninety three eleven? No. no. I, I I think the songs may have been different. That's what I'm saying. Like he yeah. probably would have written different types of songs, possibly. But I don't know. I, I could see him doing stuff though with Prince. Like, if he can do stuff with Jamal Lewis, he definitely would have been. No, my, my thing is, I definitely, I think it would have been different because I feel, and I can correct me if I'm wrong, I just feel like the the vibe that Prince and Morris had went a lot into creating the music. And I, I feel like he was, I feel like Prince was trying to make this MD character and he was making songs for that character, which and Alexander O'Neill could have done. It's possible. I think the music would have, could have still been the same. I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't take... I, and yeah, if I'm not mistaken, it was Prince and Morris who just did the first album with the intention, thinking Morris or Alex would come in and sing those songs. Uh, anyway, so I think the songs, the music would have still been the same. Because he said they had that first couple of tracks or the record was done. And then they met up and had that meeting with Alex and him talking about, okay, but, but it didn't work out. But they already had the, the, the music. I can see, I, I can see Alex doing "Get It Up." Yeah, you do all of them. <laughs> I can see that. To me, when I think of Alex, and like, like I said, I think of Fake and all that. To me, they sound just like he seemed to be doing the same sort of yes, and uh, you know, he was doing it was the same shit. He's just a bigger dude, but he can sing way better than Morris. And Morris is not a good singer. So I don't really see how he wouldn't be able to sing those songs like below Morris. No, again, that's why I think the uh, the slower stuff. Yeah, Alex would tore it up. Tore it up. The fast I stuff can see Alex doesn't doing... require singing, so that's why I'm like he blow well, that out the water. 
you know, I can see Alex doing Get It Up, but I, conversely, I can't see Morris doing If You Were Here Tonight. No. Break I, down, I know baby. That, <laughs> people tell me that Monty Moore, Monty Moore tore it up though because he wrote it and he sung it at their at their residency in Vegas. And people say he lit it up. Yeah. Like, well, Monty, do your thing, man. Yeah, the the crazier the story would be, like I said, if he just allowed the time to just continue. Like, it, it, well, not if he allowed, but if they didn't all implode on each other what would have happened if ice cream castles wasn't the last album like if more stayed that's something you can very and we did a whole show on that but that's be very interesting because then it'd be like okay he has to keep giving them is he gonna keep giving them bangers like we allow them to be on his shows with them if Morris stayed <clears throat> in the wake of Jimmy and Terry leaving, they it still would have broke up because Morris was eventually going to buck against whose band is this? That's what I'm you saying. Know? If you would allowed them to just be their thing, like and Jimmy and Terry to, still stayed. Well, if they all stay, like it, at a certain oh, point, yeah. it'd be like, okay, ice cream castles came out jungle love. I mean, they blew up. They was even way bigger. Right. And if they, and if they would have been allowed to perform on the concert with them, I don't know if they was planned to do that, but they would have been monsters. They were monsters like that. Oh yeah. And then you had Jamin <laughs> oh, Lewis, who obviously was writing some shit. And if he and if he and I asked the question, would he have allowed them to write some songs, or would it have forced him to even come with the illest shit? Because if he heard what they was just like, oh, fuck, is that song nasty you got? Oh, we, yeah, I can't put that on the album. Well, why not? Let's try it. I'm gonna come up with something better. <laughs> like, huh? Okay. <laughs> we, we, we had to force him to really come out of his ass. <laughs> like, I can't let these these motherfuckers. Eventually, it would have forced him to either let them run it the, their way or get rid of him, because you couldn't stop that momentum. Yeah, they was they was coming with some shit. They came with some thunder, man. Plus the stuff they was doing with SOS. I was why it was, and it probably all happened the way it's supposed to. Them dudes was was monsters. Like, oh shit, man. That he even got, I don't even want that competition around me right now. Get me off my square. Let them brothers go do what they do. But yeah, they, that would have been very interesting because they were they were beasts, man. They were. Would they were. Would, and then I question: Would they have made those songs if if they were just comfortable staying with Prince? Like if he'd have said, you know what, I'm gonna just pay y'all more money. Would they would they have felt the incentive to be like producing for outside yes. people? If they were already getting they paid. Do. Well, I'm just saying they did that because they needed to, they wanted some extra, they wanted to make more money. Like they wasn't getting paid with the time stuff. So like, we got work outside. We can go get, do some outside work. But I'm saying if they were actually paid a lot of money, would they have felt the need to court outside jobs or were they just kept it to themselves and tried to give I don't think they would have needed to court these gigs, but the, the gigs would have still come. That's what I'm saying. When would they have took them? That's what I mean. Like, I think they would have taken Janet. I don't know about Human League. Um, they would have taken Herb Albert because he's Herb. So I don't know, man. I don't think the Herb Albert wouldn't have came. I'd be curious. The question if Janet goes on to say if they were still with Prince and they was eating and Purple Rain just popped off and if you said, "Listen, you gonna walk away from this 
this success to do something unknown and you getting bags over here? I'd be curious if they would have said, you know what, let, let's go over there. We don't want the money. Like, I, I would have been curious. <laughs> would they have the incentive to leave if they was caked up? See, I think, I think the key to that is working with Janet at that time, she was, and this is me being nice, an unknown commodity because her first two albums stunk. And when you're, when you're bagged up, I don't think you need to, to put your name out there on, on something like that. I'll take a risk like that with your, with your brand at that point. So yeah, you might be right. Yeah, cause she had, well, that'd be questionable. I don't even know if her second album would have, wouldn't probably not have had the Jesse stuff either. Cause if he would have been caked up, there'd be no reason for him to be doing outside. That's right. If, if he knew like you do something outside of this, you're fired. He said, oh, you want the bag or you want to go out? <laughs> Some people would do it, but I, I'd be curious if they would have. I'm like, nah, nah, I'm cool. Just like if it was Wendy and Lisa or something, they going to go out and do outside work and they had the height of success caked up with Prince. If they knew they was going to produce somebody else, they'd be out of there. They ain't producing nobody. <laughs> like, nah. You sit my ass right here. <laughs> but these are all just hypothetical. Things probably happened exactly how they were supposed to, I suppose. All right. Any other Prince-related stuff? This went way longer than I thought. Just wait until uh, <clears throat> till next month, man. Just waiting. <clears throat> and now I'm starting to get the, uh, starting to get the itchy, the happy feet, because now I'm thinking, well, do I really want to stay with vinyl? Or do I want to get the CD set instead? <laughs> I don't know. Is it going to come out in high resolution? Because I do know they were mixed in 24-192 with uh, Bernie Grunman. So are the high-resolution places going to release, you know, high-res mixes? I don't know. You know, no one's talking. It's driving me crazy. Hmm. Well, all right, ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. Our Prince fan fiction. Boy, I can't wait to see the comments on this. <laughs> It'll be hilarious. Oh, uh, another thing, I, I posted some pictures on the YouTube page with some uh, GIFs. There's this app called Reface. I think it's called Reface now. <laughs> and you can like put your face in like different GIFs. And I put one, a couple of Prince ones. And the, the comments are so funny because it's like there's people in there that just like, you, you do anything that even may seem disrespectful to Prince. They, they come out, you know, the public defender mode. You'll never, he'll never be Prince. I don't, I knew it. You just wanted to be Prince. <laughs> I just sit back and it's hilarious. <laughs> I, I was like, one of them I had to comment. I normally don't. I'm like, you're right. You found me out. God damn it. You got me. <laughs> the secret's out, man. But it's just hilarious. I, it's, it's a, there's this concept that some people just don't get. It's called fun. <laughs> like, you should try it. Thank, you can just do things for fun sometimes. Relax. But uh, anyway, it's just all in good, good fun. Uh, and Pooh, where can they find you online, sir? They can find me at Twitter and Instagram at Pooh, and on TikTok for about another week or so as well. Uh, TikTok and you don't stop, stop, stop. Maybe you do. Um, also, Big Sexy and Sack, where can they find you, sir? The same general haunt. Facebook, Mark Wiggins. Instagram, Mark Wiggins 2. And... 
Twitter, WSE Mark. All right. And of course, you can find us at podcastjuice.net. Check out our Patreon page if you want to help support this show. We need it. Um, join our Patreon page. You get the shows early. And there are some Patreon-only uh, podcasts over there as well. Like I always say, work it like a job. We'll see you next time. Peace.